This is a fit mess with Zach and Jeremy. Hi there. What's going Thanks on? For listening. This is Jeremy and that's Zach. And on this episode of the fit mess, we're going to take a little bit different approach to uh, fitness, wellness uh, issues that we, that we normally discuss. A lot of times we've been talking about uh, mental health, uh, physical health, things like that. This time we're going to talk about your money and not only managing your money, but managing the stress and the depression and the anxiety and the fighting and all the things that money can lead to uh, for yourself and for your relationship. Uh, I, I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you, Zach. I, I, uh, I look up to you in a lot of ways when it comes to money management. I don't even know that much about how you manage your money, but I know it's a lot better than me because I suck at managing money. And for some reason, I've, I've been in charge of it in my household for the last 20 years. <laughs> uh, well, I, I haven't always been good at managing money. I, my wife and I got married. Well, not married, but we started dating. And at some point, we combined all of our money together. And I realized that we were both really bad at it. So I figured <laughs> one of us had to kind of step up and do something about it. So that was when I, I started learning about it and figuring figuring out what we needed to do. But that was years and years ago. So it's taken a long time to be comfortable managing money. It's for some reason, it's, it was always a very big stress point for us. It, it is for me. Uh, for some reason, I, I chose December of last year to to buckle down and decide, hey, you know what? You know, I'm going to work on I'm going to get the budget under you control. Idiot. In December. You idiot. That was it. And and it was horrible. It was it was like walking into a, like a hostess factory and deciding that's the day you're going to start your diet. Yep. There's no way when you're not skilled, not practiced, don't know what you're doing to decide that the month you need to spend money on a bunch of other people uh, that you wouldn't normally spend. Just just a huge disaster. So uh, dove dove in headfirst, failed miserably, mm. and decided okay, it's December. Uh, you know I don't know what I'm doing. It's Christmas. This sucks. Let's try again in January. Mm-hmm. And again, just just red, just red everywhere as far as the eye could see. January, you're still reeling uh, from all the purchases that were made the, the previous month. Well, then explain February, damn it. Valentine's Day. How many roses <laughs> did you buy? I, that's the thing. When, when I sit down, uh, we have a, a guest joining us on this show, uh, Stephanie O'Connell. She's written a, a book about uh, managing your finances. She travels all over the world uh, offering advice to people on how to manage their money. And one of the things that you'll hear from her is she talks about, you know, just sitting down and looking at where your money's going. And I do this a lot, especially the last few months. I, I, I go over everything. I'm like, what is that transaction? Where did that money go? Like whatever, whatever amount doesn't matter. Just what was it? Where did it go? Does it need to be spent? And there's, there's just nothing left to cut. We've always been so frugal. Like, you know, we have a modest home. We have one car. We, for the longest time, didn't pay for cable. We're paying like nothing for cable now. It's a crazy deal. Uh, it's like we don't we don't spend you know we don't travel we don't do anything. We we have kids; those are expensive. I, I would recommend not spending money on those if you can. Yep. You know, I'm I'm sort of starting to realize that maybe I'm at the point where it's time for side gigs. It's time for maybe a second job to to start to get things under control because there's only so much fat you can trim. Uh, before there's just there's just nothing left to cut out. Yeah, we build up we build up to a certain lifestyle, and we have things we you know services and and payments that you know at, at some point you can't cut anything else to maintain your your lifestyle, and 
that's, you know, I, I think I ate that a long time ago where I was like, well, is this the right lifestyle for me? And I had to ask myself some really tough questions. You know, did I want to keep up with the Joneses or was I okay just not keeping up with the Joneses? You really need to take a look at, is this a lifestyle that I want to keep up or could I actually cut some of these things out and still be okay? But but that I think is the challenge is that, you know, like I said, we, we don't keep up with the Joneses. We're, we're wildly behind the Joneses. <laughs> and so when you look around, you're like, God, that'd be nice to, to be able to do that. Eh, that's, that's for people with money. You know, you start to realize that that you're sort of running out of options and maybe it's uh, time to get a little bit more extreme. But, you know, at this stage of my life, that sucks because working more means less time with my kids and less time at home. And that's where my values are. That's where my priorities are is is spending time with my family. But I'm starting to learn that maybe I can't afford the luxury of spending time with my family. Right. And that's the other side of it. You either need to, you know, spend less or you need to make more. Those and that's really the only two answers. There's 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 nothing else. So if if you've cut everything that you you can cut, then you need to make more. And there there's options for it. I mean, a lot of people think I've got a job. Well, that that's it. I that's my only source of income. There's so many side gigs that you can run these days to make, you know, even just a couple extra hundred dollars a month. You know, that that can make a huge difference in um, a lot of people's lives, but you know, with the internet, you can, you can easily do that. Okay. So Zach, you, uh, clearly, uh, from what I can tell, manage your money much better than I do. What do you do? What, uh, advice would you give someone before we talk to somebody who really knows what she's talking about? Yeah. So, uh, what I, so I use a tool called mint. Uh, it's, uh, it's a free tool. It downloads all of your transactions and, and breaks things out into categories. So I think, the thing you that that you need to do is is to look at all of your transactions, but putting them into a tool that breaks it apart into, you know, you're spending this much on this category or spending this much at this merchant. You know, I it reveals a lot of data that allows you to make decisions better. I think one month I looked and you know added up all of my transactions at Starbucks for the month, and this is my wife and I combined. It's probably mostly me, but it is my wife and I combined, but we spent like $150 at Starbucks in one month and it was nothing but like yeah. coffees and drinks and sugar and nothing nutritious yeah. and realized that that that's an inappropriate amount of money to be, to be spending every month at Starbucks. I'm sure Starbucks likes it, but so, I mean, I just look at everything that we spend, break it down by category and say, are we spending what are we spending on the house? What are we spending on car payments? Um, what are we spending on gas? Things like that. And then I flip it around and what are we spending at merchants, right? Are we spending a whole bunch of money at stores that we don't go to frequently? And why? What are we buying? What are we looking at there? Just understanding where your money's going is the number one way that you can figure out where to cut. And for me, that so coincidentally, I use the same tool. And the one that's been the most alarming in these last few months trying to get things under control is Amazon. Uh, and I don't know if, if this is kind of a universal across the country, but especially in Seattle, Amazon makes absolutely everything available within hours. So, you know, you, you'll be thinking, oh, gosh, we're uh, we're out of milk. So let's let's order some milk. 
oh, but there's a minimum, you know, $35 order to get it in the next few hours or whatever. So we might as well get, you know, the cat food and and some protein bars and some other things. So it's really easy to go, well, we'll use that stuff anyways. So let's just order all this other stuff because we just need this one thing. And that sort of makes sense. But you find that every other day you're getting all these other things because you'll use them eventually. And then all of a sudden, you know, you look at your transactions and half your money has gone to Amazon that Mm -hmm. month. So that's that's been something that especially in the last few weeks, we've just gone, you know, we need to just start going to the Mm -hmm. store so that we stop buying the extra things to fulfill the convenience of having it delivered, you know, and not having to actually go outside. Mm -hmm. So that's been, you know, I think that's one change I'm seeing this month that we're still, you know, what, seven days left in the month to completely screw things up. But I think that's one area where we're starting to see things tighten up. But man, convenience is super expensive. It is. And it is alarming when you do set back and go, wow, look at that. Look at all of that money that we worked hard to, to earn that we threw at the convenience of having someone do something for you. Yeah, if you're, ever interest- um, so if that- you're ever interested in it, there is uh, a way, and I'd be happy to post it on the website. There is a way to go into Amazon and they will give you a, a CSV file of every single transaction that you've ever conducted on Amazon. So you can look at the total amount of money you've spent over your lifetime at Amazon. I did it one day and I nearly passed out when I saw the number. (laughs) Uh, See, I know we could get deep in the weeds on this, but we have like a, like a family account. So I don't know how to get access to what, like what my wife orders compared to what I order, but you know, maybe that's uh, available and what you can put on the website. We can, we can talk more about that offline, but yeah. So, I mean, you know, some, some basic steps there. Uh, we are lucky enough to be joined by an expert. Her name is Stephanie O'Connell. She has a book called The Broke and Beautiful Life. Her website, stephanieoconnell.com. Tons of great, uh, just simple, approachable ideas to help get your financial house in order. And uh, and if saving is something that you're working on, if, whether it's just for having reserves in emergency or a financial downturn, or if you're trying to save up for a vacation or a car or a house, whatever, Tons of great resources on her website, stephanieoconnell.com. And it's uh, with an F, by the way, stephanieoconnell.com. We'll put a link on our website. Uh, but I was able to talk to her uh, a little bit earlier. And we talked about really her story because her story, I think, will, will resonate with a lot of you that, you know, she started out young, uh, not really seeing much of a bright future in terms of her finances and just decided that that wasn't the way she wanted to live her life, made some big choices. So I asked her to basically start by sharing her story with us. So I graduated college in the year 2008, which was not great timing, if you remember. (laughs) Um, It was the height of the recession. It was a tough time all around in the job market. And I was just kind of trying to figure it out. And what I found was that Money was a constant struggle, and I was having trouble not just you know finding well-paying jobs, but also trying to live in a very expensive city. And anyone who lives in a city or, or near a city can probably empathize with that experience. And so what I learned was that there were elements of my financial life that I could control 
even in the midst of so much uncertainty and so much uh, turmoil financially. And so what I started doing was focusing on those initial elements. So whether it was my, my, my saving in my living cost by, you know, bunking up with roommates for oh, way longer than anybody's probably lived with a roommate, <laughs> um, to finding ways I could take that extra money that I would save from doing that or make from my side hustles and learning how to save it more effectively or learning how to invest it and grow it effectively. And what I did was chronicle that experience online on my blog, stephanieoconnell.com, because what I found was that a lot of the financial advice out there that I was reading, it felt really inaccessible. And it felt like it was written for everyone who has a steady paycheck, who knows exactly what's coming in at all times. And it felt like you had to be making a lot of money or you had to have a lot of expertise to succeed. And I wanted to kind of chronicle my experience to break that down a little bit and make things like saving and being financially responsible something that anyone can start to do no matter where they're starting from. And so there's some uh, new research uh, that that you have that kind of gives us a little bit of a snapshot of of how most Americans are doing when it comes to savings and, and getting their financial house in order. Exactly. So there's a new survey out from PurePoint Financial that finds that more than two in five people have less than $1,000 in their savings accounts. And 47% are leaving their money in savings accounts at the same bank where they have their checking account, which tells us that almost half of Americans aren't being really proactive with their savings. In fact, the survey found that nearly 75% of Americans are not actively looking for the best interest rates on their savings. So we tend to say we want to save money. We tend to say we value our financial health. But when it comes to actually following through on those values, even relatively simple things like making sure you're getting the most money from your bank, uh, that doesn't seem to be a priority for a lot of Americans. So why aren't people doing that? That seems like a pretty, um, I I, I should say, that's new information to me. I never thought about that because I I prefer uh, convenience. I like having uh, all of my things kind of in the same place. I've never really considered you know, is it worth uh, another half percent or whatever from the other bank that might be able to give me a better rate or whatever? Um, so that that is a good tip. But but what are some of the other reasons that people uh, don't prioritize this? Yeah. So for one, you mentioned convenience, and actually the survey also find there's been, found there's been a huge rise in convenience spending. So whether it's just leaving money on the table by not shopping around for the best accounts for your needs, or whether it's spending extra money to uh, maybe save time or just have a little bit more convenience, we're definitely seeing a rise in that. There was actually one stat that came out that said uh, one in four Americans admit that they would spend double to have their food delivered than to walk to minutes to go pick it up. Now, I totally get it, right? Like there are times where (laughs) I just want the convenience. But if you haven't established a habit of saving first, it's really dangerous to get into the habit of convenience at the expense of your saving. I'm not saying you should never order delivery, but it's really important to make sure you have a financial foundation in place before your discretionary expenses get totally out of hand. So this may or may not be from personal experience, but what if uh, you're hearing this and you're thinking, yes, savings, that's a, that's a good priority. I need to do this. You sit down, you, you power through the budget and you realize, oh, my God, I'm so deeply in the red month after month. Savings is not I, I can't even get back to in the black. Like, how do I 
How do you shift mm-hmm. from once you realize how deep in you are to making savings even an option? Absolutely. So a couple of things. The first is to take a financial inventory. A lot of us don't really even know where our money is going. So I really recommend starting by looking at your statements from your credit cards, from your bank, from your receipts. Keep a list and look back around three months of where your money has been going. And then you want to compare that to what your income has been during that time. And once you see it laid out in front of you, it's going to be much more clear where you can really afford to make some changes. A lot of us think that we know where our money is going, and we tend to think that there is no flexibility in our budgets at all. But there generally, when we stop to actually look at the numbers, there is a little bit of flexibility. We just have to sit down, reflect, and find it. And sometimes it might mean making bigger sacrifices. You know, for me, I I talked before about having roommates. I have literally never lived alone. I'm 32. I have never lived alone. Okay. So that was a sacrifice I was willing to make because I lived in New York City, high cost of living. It was the only way I could afford to do it. But that was a trade-off that was worthwhile to me to both live in a big city and have some savings and financial stability. So we need to make sure we're asking ourselves those kinds of hard questions. And then the other side of this equation is also our our income. So this was another big thing for me to think about what skill sets could I acquire and knowledge could I gain that could make me um, command a higher income? And could I ask for a raise when I was working with somebody? And uh, could I uh, side hustle to bring in extra income. So I like to work both the expense side of the equation and the income side of the equation to free up some funds. Now, you did mention the debt piece, and that's really important too. Um, And there's always that question of, do I save or do I pay down debt? And ideally, yes, we want to do both. But I would say that step one is to have at least one month worth of savings in a savings account before you pay more than the minimum payments on your debt. And the reason for that is if you are putting every extra dollar towards paying down your debt, if something happens and something always happens, guess what you need to do to pay for it? You need to take on more debt. So if you can have at least a little bit of financial cushion while you're making those minimum payments on your debt and you build that up first, once you have that in place, then you can start paying down that debt more aggressively. What if you're lucky enough to have, you know, retirement accounts and and things like that is, would you recommend leaving that money alone or or should you get yourself out of debt and sort of have a fresh start and, uh, and sort of re- attack the idea of investment accounts once that debt is eliminated? So ideally, if you are offered a benefit plan through work with an employer match, you want to be maxing that out. You want to get your full employer match. That said, if you are dealing with high interest rate debt, this might be something like credit card debt, something that's probably 7% interest or above, that should definitely be a priority. I'm not saying you should pull from your retirement accounts to pay that off. I don't think you should touch your retirement accounts. However, Uh, it does make sense to put the full force of any extra financial cushion you have towards paying down that high interest debt. Now, if you have lower interest debt, like maybe a student loan or you got like a great mortgage rate that's maybe below 6%, um, in that case, you can split your efforts between paying down debt and investing because the idea there is that if your investments return around 7% on average, you're still going to be coming out ahead. So what do you think is the most common 
overlooked solution to sort of getting things in order financially? Uh, so the, the most easy thing is often the most effective thing. And I think there are two things. One is tracking your money. And that's kind of what I said before about taking a financial inventory. It's much easier both to make a plan for where you want to go when you know where you currently stand. And it's easier to hold yourself accountable when you're tracking your money on a daily or weekly basis. And the second thing is to just set aside the time. So we we talk about our our health and fitness and we talk about setting aside time for workouts or, or for cooking, you know, developing a health practice. And I recommend that people similarly set aside time to build up a money practice. And that can mean setting aside time to track and review your expenses, review your credit card statements, do what we said before, like shopping around for the best interest rates on your on your savings, um, looking for new information that you can learn, adding to your skill set, learning how to invest if you don't know how to invest, just setting aside a dedicated period of time, much like you would for for your health, is a really great strategy. I read a, a book uh, by a great author named Jen Sincero, and she she uh, offers some some money advice as well. And at one point, uh, she offered something, and it's a little bit more on the woo-woo. It's a little bit less practical, but uh, but something about your story uh, resonated with what I learned from her, and it was the idea of really just kind of visualizing and deciding that you're going to live that life of your dreams or save that amount or buy that car, whatever that thing is, but that visualization process and, and sort of just deciding this is just who I am now. This is just what I'm going to do now. Is is that does that play a part sort of in, in how you approach things? A hundred percent. I love Jen's book, by the way. Isn't it, isn't it good? <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> it, it, it's really excellent. And the mindset stuff really shouldn't be overlooked because if you do not believe that you can do better than you're currently doing, if you do not believe that you can save more or make more or whatever it is, you're not likely to take the actions to actually make that happen. So it starts with belief and the belief informs the action and the action in, informs the outcome. But if you don't believe you can make more money, then you're not going to ask for a raise and you won't make more money. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So yeah, of the mindset stuff, a hundred percent matters. And that has been absolutely true in my experience as well. Our thanks to Stephanie O'Connell, her website, stephanieoconnell.com, the book, The Broke and Beautiful Life. Tons of good advice there. And uh, I'd like to start with kind of what she wrapped up with there and the idea of of really focusing your mindset, deciding this is what is going to happen for me, whether it's I'm going to get the raise that I deserve, I'm going to get the second job, I'm going to save an extra you know $100 a month, whatever, whatever it is, without deciding that that's just going to happen it's not going to happen. Like it, it, I feel like it, in my experience, most of the change and the growth that I've experienced began with that thought of whatever the thing is, I'm just that guy now. And that's how I'm going to live my life. And I feel like that is really the best place to start before you even open up a tool like Mint or looking at your money. Just just making that conscious decision, I'm going to do whatever it is better. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that you can do once you've made that decision, you know, there's there's certain tools that you can put in place to help you along that path. I think Jeremy, you and I have talked about this. I have, I have multiple bank accounts, right? Most people just have like one bank account. I have, I think I've got probably five bank accounts all for different purposes. And 
one of the reasons for it is I, with my paycheck every, every two weeks, I've set a certain amount that goes directly into a bank account that I have set aside for savings. And that one has a really good savings rate. Mm -hmm. I have another bank account that a certain number of dollars goes into for investments and it's only for investments. And then I have the rest of it kind of goes into a, a bill paying bank account. And all of these banks are completely separate. If I'm going to move money from one to the other, I have to go in and think about it because it's going to take a couple of days. I, I can't get at it right away. That seems like a lot to manage for me. Like for me, I, I mentioned to Stephanie that like I'm, and we talked a little bit before the interview, I'm very much into convenience. And so I like, I like having my credit union because I don't trust banks. Uh, I like having everything there so that I can, uh, because I often need to move money quickly to cover my ass on something that I wasn't expecting, didn't know was going to happen, some emergency, whatever. And I feel like if I was in that situation where I went, you know what, I'm going to set up a, just a strictly bill paying account or whatever, that I can imagine scenarios where there's not enough money there and I don't have the time to move one to the other to cover my ass. I, I don't know if I'm a smart enough uh, guy to make that work. And I don't know if I'm a rich enough guy to need that. It can be complicated to set up, but once you've got it set up and you've looked at your numbers, you know where your money's going, you know where you can, you can trim some fat. Once you've set it all up and you've, you've put together your direct deposits and you've got, you know, X number of dollars going to just a savings account, there's nothing saying that you can't move it over. But ideally, right? You have a an account for savings and that money's going to savings and you don't touch it. That's the ideal way to do this. You don't touch it. So you don't have to manage it if you set it up to automatically go over there. But you always want to have a cushion. Like if you have a bill paying account, you want to have a cushion in there so that you 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 don't have to touch it if you don't have to. I don't know if I'm there yet because if the money's not there to create the cushion it's not going to be there and I'm going to constantly be chasing my own tail trying to cover my ass. And that's where I think something's got to be done on the other end of it. I think all the cutting has that can be done uh, has been done. And I think for me anyways, it's time for me to find ways to bring more in. Uh, and I would imagine a lot of people are in that same situation once they sit down and look at things. If, if, they're, if they're struggling like I am, uh, they're going to look at, that, at those numbers and go, there's just nothing left. Like, mm -hmm. th there was a point when you know we, we were able to cut you know get rid of one car cut the cable uh cut the you know whatever subscription services cut netflix cut you know like all these little things that you know yeah it's five ten twenty bucks but when you add them all up it's a good little chunk of change um but eventually you get to a point where there's nothing left to cut except food and shelter and at that point it's time to just get more money coming in the door right so what kind of side hustles do you think you'd be interested in I'm going to be working the street corners. Uh, it's probably the most time convenient. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. Um, I hate to say this, but I don't think you're going to make a lot there. I don't think so. I know. I'd, I'd be working harder than, uh, than I need to. <laughs> um, that's the, you know, I need, I need to really sit down and, and look at my schedule because like I said, that's ultimately in doing that, it's going to take away from time with my family. So if that is the route I decide to go, then it's got to be something that has the least impact there. So, uh, you know, probably sacrificing sleep for work rather than sacrificing time with my kids for work. So, right. But I mean, anyone who's listening, though, it's ideally that's a temporary setback, right? You you put in the extra effort to get a cushion so that you can be comfortable and not have to spend the rest of your life doing that. 
Exactly. That is the trick. All right. Well, speaking of cutting and, and finding new ways to do different things, it's challenge time. Let the challenge begin. I'm not sure where we're going to go with this one because uh, financially, like I said, we, we've we've made cuts. Uh, I might need to look at a second job. I don't know. You got uh, you got anything in mind? You want to you want to throw down? Yeah, I've got one thing. I think um, you know, I, it's it's always tough when you're when you're talking about money and and these things. But you know, I would like to challenge you, and this will take a little bit longer than than two weeks. You know, we'll have to hear about this one in a few months, but you know, I'd like to challenge you to try and figure out a way to save a hundred dollars a month, an extra hundred dollars a month, um, save it somewhere, which means cutting either cutting a hundred dollars out of your budget or making extra, an extra hundred dollars. All right. I, I will do my best and, uh, and report back. Uh, we should, uh, follow up on the last challenge. We, um, challenged each other to try and lose five pounds in two weeks. How's that working out? That's you? worked out fine. I've made my challenge. You son of a yes. I was so psyched. I was so psyched because the first like seriously the first like three days I was down three pounds and I was like oh I'm killing this this is no problem and somehow now I'm up two from where I started so I don't I don't get the swing I don't understand it it's confusing to me but I'm frustrated well and I lost you'll get it. That's right. So we'll add it. We'll add an additional challenge that in another two weeks, you will have lost another five pounds. At this point, I'm trying to resign myself to it's almost biking season. I'm almost, uh, you know, I'm going to be back on the bike commuting. That's that's where typically I shed a lot of the winter weight. So as long as I keep doing what I'm doing now and add the biking, I think I'll be in uh, decent shape. All right. Relatively. Fair enough. All right. Our thanks again to Stephanie O'Connell, author of The Broke and Beautiful Life. We do have a copy to give away, so uh, please share this episode on your favorite social media channel. Uh, Tag us, and we will uh, choose from someone who does so and and send out a copy of the book to you. Thanks for listening, and thanks for subscribing to the show and for uh, feedback on Apple Podcasts and uh, wherever else you happen to be getting the show. We appreciate you being there and subscribing and spreading the word. Uh, Good luck with your financial goals, if uh, I hope this has helped in some way. And uh, we'd love to hear if you have any successes or failures. So you can always uh, reach out to us through social media or email us info at thefitmess.com. Again, thanks for the support. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with a brand new episode. See everyone. Bye.